Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good choice. EJ Becker's in for John Grayson out for the week here, hanging out with you on a Wednesday. Is that the music is a good choice or a good choice that EJ's in for John? We can t- how, how do you want to take it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it can work for both. It, it can work for both here. So a uh, story this hour came to us initially out of Fortune magazine. Uh, 913-586-7798. If you are the parent whose children, and I use that term loosely, whose offspring moved back in with you (laughs) at some point, or if you are the ones that had to move back in or chose to move back in with mom and dad, want to find out how that's going uh, because there are a ton of stats in this story out of Fortune. And the headline on this was, moving back in with your parents is so common now that it's nearly lost its stigma. Um, So what they get into is it started... Or, or picked up steam a lot in the pandemic. Okay. You were having to, we were going into shutdown. And so we thought you got to pick your bubble. And a lot of people went to their parents for their bubble. And it was um, not just people in their twenties. I mean, it was people our age also that wanted to take care of their older parents and thought we're better if we, if we all kind of come together. So that started it. And then the economy tanked. And then you had a lot of people that then were having to move back in with their parents and now it's they describe it as now it's just a feature of life right now. It's it's not an anomaly anymore. And don't forget that the cost of housing has right. skyrocketed in that same period of time while these other things were happening. It just got more and more expensive to buy and in so many cases to rent. Rent's gone up too. Normally one goes up and the other goes down. Yeah, here's what they say. Years ago, moving back in with one's parents, not necessarily in their basement, was painted as a millennial problem. Graduating into the Great Recession and its aftermath, the generation was walloped by a crushing job market, student loan debt, and global financial freefall, which left them struggling to establish a career and independent life as a post-grad. And they say many of them are hitting traditional milestones, like buying a home or getting married, significantly later than their parents did. And with the stigma gone... It's it's a way for people to save money for the kids, quote unquote, to save money by moving back in with mom and dad. Yep. How's it, it going? It's interesting that you mentioned millennials because my first thought is, what are the age brackets on this? Because mm-hmm. my age isn't doing this, right? And so, what's uh, what what age is what age is doing? If my age is doing it, it's because we're moving back in because mom's eighty or ninety. And yes. so that's that's a and that's a different story. But I, I, I'm thinking that at some point, draw a line, because at some point, some year, it is no longer a stigma because not only 
uh, the, the situation of the kids. But today's children and the children that have come up in the last decade, two or three, were treated completely different, raised completely differently than we were um, in that it's we didn't have helicopter parents. Right. We didn't have parents that needed to be in on everything. Right. And so it's just a totally different world where kids are closer. Mom, so many moms and dads, well, my child is my best friend. <laughs> well, that's too bad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's not your job. But it's a, it's a different child-parent relationship for the last 20, 30 years, maybe? In answer to your question, yes. They seem to be talking about like mid-20s to early 30s. Mm-hmm. And what they said was, it seemed a similar trend began to unfold. Pandemic hit. Record number of young adults, from college students to people in their mid-20s, moved back home. The difference today is that many of them haven't left. Things have only gotten more expensive, prompting many to stay. Where's the stat in here about rent? Median rent has gone up 25% mm-hmm. since 2019. Mm-hmm. And you just can't, and, and salaries are not picking up to keep up with that. Certainly not 25%. And then housing prices on top of that went nuts, and now interest rates are approaching normal. Everybody thinks interest rates are high. No, they're not. Right. They were <laughs> it, low. Interest for a long rates time. are normalizing after 30 years. So is it a good thing years? that the stigma's gone away? 20 years. Is that is that a positive thing for society? And maybe it's maybe it's neither. But the fact that the stigma has gone away, is that is that is that a positive thing? Move And again, if you've done it, I would love to talk to you because I think it's um, we're kind of in a younger generation now where they're just sort of doing things a little differently. You hear side hustles come up a lot more and and not just having to go work for the man. And they change jobs a lot more often. Things that we used to frown upon, like job changing every couple of years, that's no longer a thing that we have a stigma attached to either. And so is this another way that young people are saving money, and that's why the stigma's not there. Interesting point into the text line. Uh, someone says, you know, they've always found it, they, they don't like it when people make fun of, of Hispanics and other cultures, different cultures in the world, uh, where you have multiple generations living together. It reminds me of my, my mom tells, told, of stories where at one point there were four generations in the house, and it was completely normal. My mother, her mother, her mother, mm-hmm. and her grandmother. I mean, four generations in a house that it was normal in a very different way decades ago, sort of mid-century. Um, so you're right. And for some reason, it hits me as more acceptable based on whatever I judge that on for a family. Um, that's a cultural thing mm-hmm. where, where it's that's just how that culture functions, where you just I mean, they kind of say like they just never kind of fly the coop. They, they just kind of stay until they get married. It feels different to me when they come back and move back in. Ah, uh, I get you. Sure. You know, like they they tried to be independent. They tried to go do their thing on their own. And because of circumstances that were not entirely their fault, they came back. That feels less socially acceptable to me than just a cultural um, feature where it's it's just always, always been that way. And I wonder how much of it is I have a, a family where... Over the course of the last, I don't know, 10 years, every child in the family who has launched and left the home has come back at some point to live there again. They've had to get back on their feet. They've had to change something, new job, new this, new that, different circumstances, broke up with somebody and all of that. All of the children have come back at some point. Sometimes multiple children have come back at the same point. 
And it was never a question. It mm-hmm. was always, this is your home. I think that's how my parents would have approached it. Yeah. This is your home. This is where you grew up. If you need to come back here and get things back in order, good. Yes. I, um, you, want to, you want to hope that your parents will see it that way, mm-hmm. that your home is always going to be your home, it, particularly if you're in trouble. I mean, particularly if you're, if you're struggling, your home is always going to be your home. But I'm curious about what some of the um, struggles are and challenges are with that. Uh, and we'll get to your calls here in a second. Texture just said, we have a large house, nearly 4,000 square feet. So why not? It had five bedrooms, but when rent went up, we carved out two more. So a daughter and paternal grandfather could move in. I'm curious, how old's your daughter? Just curious to know how old was the daughter when she moved back in? Um, uh, and so here was another text. I have four kids, ages 10 to 20. I am not a helicopter parent. I'm a parent, not their friend. It's my job to raise good humans. We can be friends when they're grown and on their own. But other parents look at me like I'm crazy for not being a helicopter parent and living vicariously through my kids. Okay. Is the helicopter parent the one that invites them back in or that doesn't let them come back? No, the helicopter parent is the one that wants them to come back in because I'm now living my life through you. Uh, The helicopter parent is the one who you've got to go play soccer because I always wanted to go play soccer. Or, here, let me get in there and help you figure out how to do this, as opposed to, no, this is your project, you do it. So this is uh, the, the parent here, the I have four kids, 10 to 20 years old. That's how I was raised. And that's how I hope I'm raising my son, is to be the parent who says, I'm going to guide you through this. We're not buddies. I agree with this person that says, we can be buddies when you're up and grown and doing your own thing and making your own decisions. And I, I hope smart decisions uh, and, and, and that sort of thing. But that's, I think, I think a lot of parents may start out that way and end off on the helicopter parent. This is my friend kind of thing. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. I, you know, it, they're your child. If it's, if you can welcome them back to help them get back on your feet and you have that kind of relationship. Great. Okay, and but, we'll get to your calls. But they need to get on their own. Sorry, so this is the text. This is what I'm talking about. Somebody just said, my husband and I moved back in with my parents for three or four months while I was in college. I'd been trying to work full-time, but I had to do an unpaid full-time internship. At the same time, my husband's place of work had a fire, fired him, so he was out of a job. Longest summer of my life, she says. Moved out as soon as I could get a job and two paychecks. Yeah. Do you want to move out? Do the kids want to move out? Is, is there a push to get them out? Or is this just kind of a new cultural shift in how things are? The kids come back and that's cool. No big deal. I think it's so interesting. It's a good question. 913-586-7798. Let's go to your calls. Uh, Randy, first up in Kansas City. Hey, Randy. Hi, how you doing today? We're great. Thanks for the call. So, yeah, I just have, I don't normally get a chance to listen to you guys during the day because I'm at work, but I happen to today and it's just a perfect conversation for me. I'm, I'm 54, got a 23-year-old, just turned 23 this month. Um, him and his girlfriend have been, been together four and a half years. They're strategically trying to wait, you know, until the time is right. Um, also, went to lo- look at a place recently that was like $100 less than what I'm renting for a three-bedroom, and they're just, they just can't afford it. Um, we're the only ones. To, we, my son and I live together here in the Midwest. We don't have any other family. Um, he had five friends that tried to do a, a house together a while back right after high school. It didn't work out. Every single one of them moved back home. Um, I just think with the cost of living and, and how things are going these days, I'm, it's not a helicopter parent. I don't stay on top of him as far as day-to-day activities. He is my best friend, but he also has this freedom. Um, so, Randy, do you struggle to find 
separation, for lack of a better word. Do you struggle to find separation? Do you struggle to lead your own life without your son? Your son leads his own life, even though you're living under the in the same four walls. Is that no, at all difficult? No, no, we. I mean, a little bit, but he has he has his freedom. Okay. Yeah. Any hurry? Any thinking? Like you want him out? Here's when you. Yeah. Here's here's when he's got to go. <laughs> no. Um, I, I don't. Again, with with not having any other family around here, I'm not rushing it. Um, knowing that as soon as they, as soon as he's got the ring on the finger and get married, that's when the time will come. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've got I've I've got a, a coworker who I I know has found out that their their kid is and his family, not just kid, but his their adult child is moving from Overland Park area back up to Kearney, and she's like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sell my house and move up there with him. That's helicopter parenting. Yeah. Interesting. Randy, I'm glad you were uh, available to listen today and start the conversation. Thanks for getting in. Um, The point that's being made on the text line is a question we need to ask, too, is if the kids are moving back home, are they contributing to the household? Do you want them to pay rent? Are they buying toilet paper? Are are they in on that? Text line. Something is wrong with them if they don't want to leave. Um, Is there? Is there? Is there something wrong with... An adult, you know, 25, 30 year old, whatever, liking being in the same house as their parents and not wanting to be out on their own. Is there is there something wrong with the lack of desire for independence? I think Randy makes a good case for stability, both financial and familial or social stability. Uh, And so if you can have that kind of stability that suits everybody, then okay, you know, walk a mile in your shoes. Go yeah. for it. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, then you got to find a way to live without suffering. Uh, we have a bunch of lines that are ringing. We need to get to a break. Everybody hang on the line. Get to your calls next here on KMBZ. EJ Becker in for John Grayson. We're talking about the instances where adult kids, say in their 20s and 30s, move back home. Uh, story out saying it's so common now there is no stigma to it or there's not as much stigma as there used to be. Get to as many calls as we can here uh, before we uh, switch gears here coming up after 1130. Let's go first to Diane's been hanging on in Leavenworth. Hi, Diane. Hi, Jamie. I love your show. Get I listen to it every morning. Thank you. Uh, I've got, that's what I was telling him. I got a 28 year old that just moved back home and she's due to a breakup. She got a good job. And my 46-year-old son is getting a divorce. He moved back home. He's got a good job. But uh, it's just like a little refuge, get away and kind of get their stuff together again. And and uh, they always know they've got a home. I've got four of them, four kids. But they've all lived with this one time or another. And I don't mind. Uh, I do I do want them out as soon as they can possibly get their act. Together. Why is that? Well, because I, I like my privacy. As you should. There's nothing wrong with that as a parent. Uh, I, I raised, my oldest is 53. I, I, had, I had my last one at 45, and I deserve a break. But I love them, and I'll keep them as long as they can have, you know, meet me. Good for you. Absolutely. Good for you. Thanks, Diane. Into the text line, my girlfriend and I broke up because her 25-year-old son with two college degrees would not get a job 
and would play video games daily in my basement until 3 o'clock and wake up at, in the morning and wake up at noon. They moved out in July. Nothing has changed with him. Yeah, that's the that's the worst version of this, I think, that we're talking about for sure. Let's see. Next up, Alex is on the line in KCK. Hey, Alex. Hello, you guys. Thank you for taking my call. And uh, I'm, I've got this sentiment in my head that calls for tough love sometimes, but it has to be kind of a circumstantial tough love because I have a beautiful 37-year-old daughter and two-year-old granddaughter, and they're all safe and sound. But if there's a fire or something happens, they live in Albuquerque. If there's a fire or something that happens and they have no place to go, well, yeah, my home is open to you all the time. But if you're driving down the street drunk and you lose your license and you got no place to live, maybe a little tough love, just a little a nudge in the right direction. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate you getting in. Uh, we'll keep rolling through these here. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Uh, my boys know that I'm not here to be their friend. I've always told them I'm here to make sure that I don't raise you to be a little jerk. I will do the exact same thing with them that my grandmother did with me whenever I got out of college. You can either go to school and I'll take care of all the bills or you can work. You are not going to sit in my house and be a lump. When I moved back with my grandma after college, I had to pay her $50 a week. That took care of my food, all the bills. You know, it's, it's really a pittance, but it's something. And that's what I'll do with my boys. If you're going to live here, you're going to work or you're going to go to school. I will help anybody who is trying to help themselves. If you aren't trying to help yourself, don't even talk to me. Ashley has a plan. <laughs> I like it. And do not get in her way. I like it. Yep, that's exactly. I mean, this, it's just as simple as that. I'm not going to have my children being a little lump. I work my tail off. You're going to do it, too. Whenever I would get in trouble as a teenager, my dad didn't ground me. If I came home drunk at 3 o'clock in the morning, he got my butt up at 6 o'clock in the morning so we could go work in the garden. <laughs> that was our punishment. <laughs> Ashley, you always tell it straight. I always love it. Thanks a lot for getting Bye, in. We appreciate it. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up here. Nathan has it in KCK. Hey, Nathan. Hello. I think that um, adults have to perhaps go back rather than want to go back to their relatives. And uh, I think that this can be evident uh, with all, for example, the strikes that we're seeing. You know, um, people are just pressed for money. You have UPS, auto, pharmacists, actors, writers. Tipping is going down. Tuition is getting more expensive. Buying houses is more expensive. Watching TV, there's so many subscriptions. Listening to podcasts, there's so much that drains the wallets out of adults that rather than saying, you know, hey, I want you out of here, it's more of a we kind of have to stick together. It's more of a have to rather than you want in a lot of situations, generally speaking. You know, Nathan brings up a good point. Thanks, we, Nathan. I think we've sort of been approaching it, or at least I know I've been thinking about it from the standpoint of why would you want to move back home? Why are you letting them move back home? This, that, this, that. I think I hear Nathan, and I think in so many cases it's a blessing that you're able to do that, that you have that possibility right. and accepting, loving, caring, caring, open, you know, empathetic, sympathetic parents to let you do that and that you have them and that you have that place. Somebody who doesn't have parents anymore. You know, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good. 
Thanks to everybody for the conversation. Uh, really enjoyed that one. Uh, we'll switch gears here coming up. The Casey Pet Project is so overcrowded that they're looking at euthanizing. We'll talk to Tori Fugate coming up next here on KMBZ. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. EJ Becker in for John Grayson uh, this hour. So we saw the story this morning that overcrowding at the Casey Pet Project is getting to be such a problem that they may be forced to euthanize some animals because of that. We wanted to know more about that. Wanted to know what else is going on at Casey Pet Project. Happy to have on the line with us Tori Fugate uh, yet again. Tori, thanks for making the time. Thank you for having me today. So first of all, let's talk about the definition of no-kill shelter and kind of what your status has been up to this point. So the no-kill language can be a little bit confusing because when you hear no-kill, you think that doesn't mean that we have to euthanize. And that is not the case. Um, There really is no shelter that doesn't have to euthanize. Um, It is something that we all have to do. And, you know, we, we think about, you know, animals that may not be safe in the community to place. And so those animals would be humanely euthanized as well as animals that we know that we cannot treat. So if they're medically injured or not medically sound enough that we know we can't treat them, those animals would be euthanized. Um, But when we get into the point that we're at, and we have been, you know, for like really a couple of years now where we are just so overcrowded um, that we are, having to make difficult decisions at times. And we're also asking the public to help us place a lot of animals so we don't have to euthanize them. There's actually a really um, great link on our website that kind of explains what no-kill is, what that means for us. And so we want to be able to you know, talk about this and inform the public. But no-kill standard is 90% or above of all animals that come into your shelter leave through positive outcomes. 
And so right now we're uh, around 93% for the year, despite having the hardest year that we've ever had here at KC Pet Project. It has just been a brutal summer, um, but we're only able to achieve that because of the community support that we have seen. Okay. Um, the stats that I see, and correct these if they've been updated, is that the shelter currently has 265 dogs. Ideal capacity is 140. Before yeah. we talk about how you, I cannot imagine how you make the decision about um, which dogs are euthanized or which animals are euthanized, I guess we should say. What do you do with the other 125 that you don't, that are beyond your capacity? Yeah, so the shelter was built. Um, on on average, we were having about 140 dogs in our shelter. Um, so for years before we moved in here, so we were we built this shelter to house the same number of animals coming in. And so for us to be taking in this number of animals is just unprecedented. And so we wanted to have a shelter where you know an animal has a four by twelve kennel, and then there's a divider door in between that you use to like feed and clean the kennel. What we have is animals on both sides of the kennel. So we have twice as many dogs in all the rooms that we intended to have. And then, you know, that's every animal, when you have to clean their kennel, you have to take them out of the kennel. They have to go on a walk. You have to have a staff member that's in there still taking care of the kennel and cleaning it. It's a, it's a huge strain on our resources here at KC Pet Project to have this many dogs in our care. And so what we do is we work hard, all of us as a team, to try to get animals out of the shelter as quickly as possible. And that's whenever you see um, things like what we call our at-risk list. And that is really, it's a checks and balances system for us internally. It's making sure that no animal falls through the cracks and that each team member that is, is responsible for helping get these animals out. Okay, so let's talk about the delicate, so I'm using that word a lot today, but the delicate subject of having to euthanize mm-hmm. and how you make the decision that um, I, I know you're at 93%, and so that's how you know you're kind of in that window now. How yep. do you make the decision about who who will be euthanized? Yeah, there's a lot of steps. And first of all, like nobody who works in animal shelters wants to have to euthanize pets. Oh, I can't like, imagine. nothing that we get in the business of doing. Um, so, but it's really, it's a collective team decision. So we have multiple meetings every week. We're checking on every single dog, laying eyes on every dog in the shelter, to make sure that no animal's falling through the cracks and we're doing all that we can. So we're working to get pets into foster homes. We're working on potential rescue placement with other shelters or rescue groups. We are seeing if their quality of life is concerned. Do they need medications for, to help reduce their stress? Can we move them to an offsite center? Um, you know, have we marketed them? Have we, do they have a bio on our website? There's so many checks and balances that we as a team are using. And then when we have to make those decisions, um, it is really, it's a, it's our entire canine operations team that is, you know, deciding on it. And they're all in agreement that these are the dogs that we're going to move forward with. And then all of our behavior euthanasias are signed off by our CEO. And even then she's just like, okay, but what have we done to get this animal out? So we're doing everything that we possibly can to get animals out of the shelter as opposed to having to euthanize them. And it, but we're contractually obligated to have kennels open for all the animals coming in. So we did the story last night. Um, about, you know, how ca- at capacity we were. And we were like, we don't know how many animals we get in every day. Yesterday, we took in 84 pets. Wow. All day. Did you say 84 you took in yesterday? Yes, that's what she said. Yesterday, 84. 20. So on average, we get 40 to 60, and but 84 did not leave. So it was, it was a rough day. Do you 
I know that uh, that oftentimes shelters talk with each other, that there are certain breeds that have their own certain shelters. Mm-hmm. Do you communicate with other shelters? Do you look for capacity elsewhere? We do. And unfortunately, everyone is full. Um, it has been a very challenging summer. Most municipal shelters around the country are dealing with this. Um, there's a great website called Shelter Animals Count that you know, tracks all of this data and what, and they are seeing that it's, it was reported last night that 50% of shelters are increasing euthanasia. Um, so it is something that's happening across the country. We never anticipated that we would ever see 16,000 pets come through our shelter in a year, but we are on track to take in that. So, um, you know, it's just been, it's, it's just been a, such a challenging summer, but honestly, we would not have been able to do this without community support through adoptions, through fostering, dog day outs, everything that we're doing is entirely because of our community that we're able to continue to be at 93%. Tori, I follow you guys on TikTok. And um, what's coming up in my TikTok feed a lot lately is animal shelters that use that platform as a way, and, and they'll put up a video of a dog or a picture of a dog and say, this dog is 12 hours away from euthanasia if you don't come rescue him. And it's a, it's a little jarring to see, and I kind of wonder how effective that is. Um, and and I've not seen you guys do that. You you put mm-hmm. dogs up, and it's tours of you know we're we're putting them in the office today and showing them around and stuff like that. But how effective are methods like that on TikTok to get those dogs adopted out? It is incredibly effective. Um, it's really like where the future of, of animal sheltering marketing is right now. And my team, I'm just like so blessed. They are so amazing at uh, at TikTok. But it's really just for us, it's showing the dog's personality. So Oreo sandwich is a great example. This dog was our longest stay dog in the shelter. He had been with us. He'd been on multiple dog day outs. We've been working for our foster homes, rescue placement, all of this stuff to try to get this dog out. But he had just been overlooked in the shelter. So we did this TikTok video, and it was at 225,000 views just pretty much overnight. And he got adopted two days after we posted the TikTok video. And we're doing that with so many long stay dogs. So we're looking at our at-risk list as well and saying, okay, what can we do to pretty much put individualized marketing plans around all of these dogs to get them out? Um, And then when we do set timelines for dogs, so if we do say, you know, they have to be adopted by the state or we will move forward with humane euthanasia, we're posting those on our Facebook. The last two dogs that we posted, um, it had a lot of shares, a lot of views, and they got adopted the next day. So both of those dogs are in new homes. They got out of the shelter, and we didn't have to move forward with humane euthanasia. And again, it's just because of our community that we were able to save those dogs, which is fantastic. So what's going on? Um, I, I can guess a lot of the factors that are figuring in, but what is going on, to use your word, to make this a brutal time with the number of pets you've got? Uh, really, it's the number of stray pets coming in that we are that we're seeing this increase. And it's, I mean, owner surrender pets are still coming in very, very heavily. Um, the number, the biggest reasons that pets are being surrendered right now is a lack of affordable veterinary care for their animals. Which in Kansas City, we really do need, um, you know, more veterinary support that's low cost for owners. Um, And then, you know, housing is a huge reason. So pets being surrendered because they can't find a place to live with them. We suspect that a lot of the the stray pets that are coming in are probably owned pets as well. 
that people just can no longer care for or they don't want to tell us that they're having to surrender their pets. It's just a variety of factors. Um, but what we're doing is just looking at our data, and that's what we're communicating out so we can see that these are the reasons that pets are coming in and, you know, being able to communicate that with, with everyone of, you know, the stray animal number is significantly increasing, and it is has been for the past year, and that's prevalent that we're seeing all over the country. It's amazing that you were able to use low-cost and veterinary care in the same sentence, Tori, for those of us who have pets and know how jarring that bill can be. Is there a model somewhere? Is there some city that's doing it better, some community that's doing it better, that makes that kind of service that we could all use, frankly, available? Yeah, yeah there there are some great um, models that we see in other, in other cities where they have a lot of different um, low-cost options. And, you know, they have, like, collaborative efforts to all pool resources to get more pet spay and neutered. We are looking into that in Kansas City. So there is a, a core group of us that are working on trying to build that collaborative effort here in Kansas City as well. Um, you know, long-term, that will help. Um, short term, it's really it's really hard to say, um, you know, what the short term solution is. But I think, you know, for us, Casey looks at us as the you know, resource that can help them. And we can. We're doing more to keep pets and people together than it's ever been done in the history of Kansas City. And, you know, we have people reaching out to us every day saying, I don't want to give up my pets. What can I do? And so we're trying to work together with other agencies and, um, you know, other shelters to come up with what these long-term solutions can look like so that, you know, five years from now, we're not in the same position that we've, that we're in today. I know uh, before we let you go here that with more pets to take care of, you also need the people to help take care of them. Uh, You're hiring? We are hiring. So we have um, a lot of positions available. It's um, incredibly meaningful work every day to come here and and help these animals and help people in Kansas City. So you can find out about career opportunities on our website and our benefits and everything at kcpetproject.org. And um, we have a lot of positions available right now. And we don't want to not mention um, the adoption special that's coming at anything we can do to help get more pets adopted. And I know this weekend is one of those. I mean, free adoptions sound good, right? Yes. So there's two opportunities. One is today is Waived Fee Wednesday. So we are doing free adoptions. We do it every Wednesday on all adult dogs over six months of age and dogs over 20 pounds. So all of those dogs are free to adopt every single Wednesday. Um, we also have a lot of dogs that are just free to adopt anyway that are um, that have been here 30 days or more or are on our at-risk list. So And our staff would be happy to give you the list of all those dogs. Then this weekend, Mars Pet Care and Pedigree Foundation are covering the cost of all adoptions at KC Pet Project at our three adoption centers that we have. And then so here at the campus, our Zona Rosa Adoption Center and our Petco Adoption Center in Overland Park and then Pets and Foster Homes are all free to adopt. We have puppies. We have kittens. We have small dogs. We have a lot of great pets that will be available uh, to adopt this weekend, Friday through Sunday, that will be free. Tori, earlier today we uh, discussed uh, how my son today is getting fish. He's six and a half, and he's getting fish for the first time. Uh, and Jamie wondered if it was a gateway pet. I'm looking at, at dan- better term, but yeah, I'm looking at dandelion <laughs> here and wonder: Have you hung out with dandelion? Because dandelion is a is a sort of a golden husky mix. And I'm wondering: uh, Is is dandelion as fantastic and cute as she looks? She is adorable. Oh my gosh, we have so many cute pets right now. Like it is crazy a lot of young dogs 
um, under six months or under a year old. Like there's so many great dogs, purebred dogs too. We've had more doodles coming in too, um, but we've had purebred boxers and purebred huskies and golden retrievers. I mean, we've had so many great dogs coming in. So whatever it is you're looking for, we got it at Casey Pet Project. I would say we need a dog that doesn't mind being tackled. (laughs) <laughs> that can handle a physical six and a half year old. Yes. Yes. Um, real quick. I want to make the, pl- this is coming in on our text line a lot too. And I'll, I'll let you do the plug here for spay and neuter. Absolutely. So there are some low cost options for spay and neuter, you know, pet resource center is a, is a good option. Nas up North, North of the river is also a good option. Um, Northland animal welfare society. So there's some good groups out there that are doing, some low-cost um, services so that you can get your pet spayed and neutered. But absolutely, please spay and neuter your pets. Like, that's that's going to help us ultimately, um, you know, get back down to a manageable level. And unfortunately, with the pandemic and everything, um, spay neuters slowed down a lot during that time. And we're still catching up here three years later from that time where it slowed down. So get your pet spayed and neutered if you can. Tori, if you get Casey Pet Project, we always appreciate you coming on. I cannot believe that you took in 84 animals yesterday. Uh, good luck to you. And again, caseypetproject.org if people want to learn more. Thank you. Thanks, Tori. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a few minutes on KMBZ. Back here with you. Happy to have you on a Wednesday. Uh, coming up after 12 o'clock, uh, the Kansas School for the Blind is getting a soccer field. And we've never, it's really interesting, but we've not really talked a lot on this show in the past about the sports for people that may have challenges like that. And so... Uh, We'll get further into that coming up after 12 o'clock. EJ Becker hanging out for John Grayson today. Are you a late night TV guy? I can't remember. I used to be. I was on the Letterman show. Would you like to tell that story? I was on David Letterman, for goodness sakes. Would you like to share with the class? Years and years and years ago, I was in New York for vacation. uh, And we went down, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but we went down to the uh, Ed Sullivan (laughs) studio uh, like on Monday, that's what it was. We went down on Monday because to get onto the Letterman show, which is now Colbert, is Colbert still on? Yes. Okay. So uh, it's you go down there and you had to be interviewed. You couldn't just get a ticket to the Letterman show. So you go into the lobby of the Ed Sullivan Theater and they have cubicles set up. And so you go and there's a producer or an intern or somebody and they interview you to make sure that you really want to be there. And so they're asking you questions to see if you know about letterman and of course obviously i passed this test mm-hmm. i'm answering these questions and then the guy he guy starts to smile and he peps up a little bit because he knows he's got a fan and um and the guy says uh well okay now what day did you want to go and i'm like well it's monday dude we're here all week so you tell me and he goes well thursday dave may, may go into the audience and i cut him off and i said i have a song for stump the band i know my cuts of meat and i brought a picture for show and tell and the guy starts laughing out loud <laughs> and he said you're gonna get a call tomorrow <laughs> to come on Thursday night. So you get that call. They tell you, I believe the comment was, uh, you are in the Adam Gold seats. Okay. So you have to remember that you're in the Adam Gold seats because you have to come back then at 10 o'clock on Thursday morning, get in line outside the Ed Sullivan Theater, check in, because they've got to have the, the, the audience full. Right. So they can keep, they make sure you're there. If you're serious about going, you'll get there at 10 to come back for a showing, for a, for a taping at 4. So you get there, you tell them you're in the Adam Gold seats, and they're like, okay, so they tell you then what you need to do. Because you're in the, Dave's coming into the audience. If you're in this, if you have the Adam Gold, whatever it meant, mm-hmm. you're going to be on television. Okay. They put the biggest fans there where they can see you. But then they tell you, 
Dave is going to come into the audience and do Stump the Band. Do you have a song you'd like to do? I'm like, of course I have a song I'd like to do. So I fill it out. And then you're standing there on Broadway singing, auditioning, doing whatever moves you're doing. I'm doing the fight song for my college, which has the distinction of being the nation's longest college fight song and has some hand motions and stuff to it as well. So then I pass that test. Then I go to the stage door and I have to audition for the writers. Okay. Wow. I pass that test and that's when they start telling you. And they tell you this three times over the course of the day. Um, if uh, Dave will come to you, don't say anything until he asks you a question. Keep your answers short. Dave will make fun of whatever it is you say. Do not mention 9-11, the World Trade Center, any of these things. And they tell you, because they, they just it's a downer, don't mention it. Right. And so they tell you these things two, three, four times. And then I was the first one he went to. And so Dave comes out into the audience. I'm looking for an E.J. Becker. Is there an E.J. Becker here? Come down and claim your turkey. And so I used to have the sound in here. I was going to say. It may still be in here somewhere. Who knows? I, I know I've heard it. Yeah, because I've seen it. Yeah, so um, it was um, it was a riot. It was fun. Claimed uh, one of my uh, uh, few, if only, claims to fame is that I was on Letterman. Had that been a goal for a while? I mean, I know once once you got to New York, yes, but had that been a goal of yours was to get on oh, one I, of the late night shows? I don't know. I don't know that that was really a goal. I mean, you were ready. So I, oh, I loved Letterman. So I knew when I was going. Yes, I'm looking through right now, and I'm not finding it. Uh, they clearly have gotten. Uh, they've moved things around. You haven't been here for a bit. So. I was going to say. This is what happens. Yeah, you're you not go around. away. They take away your Letterman sound. <laughs> but that's all right. No, it wasn't necessarily a goal. But, you know, I was at a radio station in Cleveland at the time. So once I got off the air, I call Cleveland. I call the radio station and tell them, you have to tape Letterman tonight. And so I was all over the air in Cleveland the next tape day. Letterman was, tonight because that's what we did then. We had a TiVo at the time. Oh, wow. So you set up yes. the TiVo. And the TiVo did it. TiVo. So wow, it, was, um, time. Yeah. it was a lot of fun. I've, I've gotten, I've, I've been to two late night tapings. I went to see Stewart as well when Stewart was doing the Daily Show. Totally different vibe. Totally different setup uh, uh, than Letterman. Letterman, very strict, very regimented, that sort of thing. And the and uh, Stewart just comes out. And, and Letterman, you're running on the clock. They run the show from like 4.30 to 5.30 is how they did it. And they ran it in real time. Stewart just comes out and starts talking like he's doing stand-up, taking all kinds of questions. And then from one second to the next, like, okay, here we go. And he turns around and he runs back and gets behind the desk and off goes the show. So I have seen Jon Stewart do stand-up one time. This was probably not that long after 9-11. Might have been 2002, 2003. In Cincinnati, um, and I was in Bloomington, Illinois at the time, and I got off the air at 2 o'clock and hightailed it, the mm-hmm. four hours or whatever it is. And at the time, he just would get up on stage and say, okay, what do you want to talk about? Yes. Like, he's got stuff in his head ready to go. Yes. He, he knows. But he's so casual about it, and then the audience just throws out ideas and topics, and he he acts like he's just ad-libbing and kind of going off, but it's, it's just very casual to see. I saw him do stand-up as well, and it was the exact same way. Very entertaining, very good. He just did some stuff. Um, so John Mulaney just announced that he is doing a bunch more dates. Wasn't he Pete Davidson and John Stewart doing? Didn't they do five or six dates recently? Yeah, did, I think really? I think I'm right. Uh, like out east, Pennsylvania, they in that area they did be, like six shows. That'd be a good show if 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 Stewart gets up and genuinely does his thing. Right. Meaning, just get up and be funny. Right. And with him, with John Mulaney, I don't I don't know how that works. I bring it up. Because the writer strike is over. Yes. And so that means late night will be the first to come back. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, SAG-AFTRA is still on strike. You still have 65,000 actors still on strike. 
So, but the writers can come back. And so screenwriters went back to work today and we should have late night back on Monday. Okay. What about uh, SNL? Do the, do they, do the folks on SNL count as the actors and they won't be back? I don't know. It's not in the story that I have. I think, I think what's happening is we're checking around everywhere. Like, okay, who, who gets to go, but they don't, I don't know if their actors can. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Some of those guys. A lot of them are writers. I mean, you, right. if you're one of these stars of Saturday Night Live, you need to you got to bring your own ideas to the table in order to get on the air. Yeah, that's a really good question, because wouldn't this be the weekend we want to see SNL? Are they writers or actors? I hate to bring up Travis and Taylor again. We'll talk more about it later. But <laughs> who plays them on Saturday Night Live? Travis plays himself. I mean, he's hosted, for goodness sakes. He's a little well, bit. I she? thought that, too. Yeah. Hasn't she? She's at least been musical guest, but she strikes me as the type who would host and do musical guest. That's a good question, if she's ever hosted. If anybody knows that, uh, just out of curiosity. We need him to stay focused on football. I think he's probably got a game to get ready for on Saturday, mm-hmm. so we don't we don't want him to be on yes, SNL. If, if you're concerned that Taylor left town without him, it's called <laughs> he has practice. Yes. He has a job. Gosh, there's. we won't do it now. We'll get to this coming up later, but there are so many stories today still about... The jacket that she wore is sold out, and uh, just he now has talked about it on his podcast for the first time. We'll pull that audio. We'll play all that um, for you coming up a little bit later. So you're welcome that you weren't around for that. You know, I will. You uh, I will uh, find a way to get by without my hit of uh, Kelsey and uh, what's her name Taylor Swift mm-hmm. today. Somebody says October 7th for SNL return. October 7th. Line. Good. Okay, cool. Good, good, good. EJ Becker, thanks they, for giving up your morning. They should have Mulaney host again. He's hilarious. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks for hanging out. You bet. Good to see you. A lot of fun. Glad to have you here. Good. Be good. Uh, it'd be good to hear John back next week. Yes, absolutely. All right. We'll take a break. We'll talk more about the soccer field going in at the Kansas School for the Blind coming up next here on KMBZ. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto 
hearts. <laughs>